Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at hypercleanstore.com if you want to go check out our products. If you like quality car care and you want to go deal with other people that do, go to our Facebook group. And it's over at Facebook Hyperclean Specialist. Go over there and join. It's a great place to be a part. Nick, let's do some buy and sell. I'll go ahead and sell first. But before I sell, I'm drinking Boulevard Tank 7 out of Kansas City. Love Boulevard. Been up there to that brewery. It's a great little place. And Tank 7 is a very interesting beer because it was a beer that they messed up, but then decided to go ahead and take a sip. And wow, it was so good. They just put it out into the market. And what do you know? The tank that they made it out of was tank number seven. So it's a great story about a really great beer, and I love it. It's, it's one of my all-time favorites. I saw it at the liquor store. I was like, I'm in. What I'm not in is while I was picking up some beer, and hey, pick up some steaks too. You saw those? I diced yeah. it up. It was brutal, but uh, we we tried. We tried. Steaks were good. And you know what? It was probably beautiful weather, just like you had. So many yeah. people out. It was a beautiful time, and I'm selling. I, I hate to sell at this moment, right? Because just like everybody else, we saw all kinds of people out cruising. That's what you should do. Be out enjoying your car. We put the top down, right? Put the roof down, lived everything. Like, it was wonderful until. And it's okay, little traffic. It's okay. I got my steaks. got my beer. I'm good. Sitting in traffic, and then you see the guy. Right, so I'm selling bullying. People talk about bullying at school or bullying online. Huh? It's that Dodge truck that has to bully his way into traffic, changing my mood. I'm selling that guy. I was happy, good, good to be right there. No worries. Until you see him, right, coming out of the strip center, and he just can't sit there, and he has to push and push and push to get himself in. I wasn't on me. It was a guy in front of me. So I really wanted to give that guy a horn knock, yeah. but geez, that guy's I'm the problem. The it's not the guy. It's not the bully though. The bully isn't the problem. It's the people that don't stand up to the guy who's a jerk in traffic. Right? Like we, I almost had an incident here the other day. Guy waited till the very last minute, the cones, the signs, everything's out. You know, that guy that's like speeding all the way to the end tries to get in. So a lot of times I just hold my lane. It's like, dude, if you come over and you hit me, you're going to be at fault. And so he got real close to me. I just kind of inched enough to stay, whatever. I got the bird, but it's like, hey, man, you this is you drive to work like this every day, bud. I mean, come on. This isn't your first time on the road. There's construction. Get in accordingly, not at the very end where you're trying to speed past everybody. So you got to stand up to the bully. So they, they're no longer a problem, but I hear you. Well, look, I, I, I think today... It's going to be a different buy and sell for me because it's going to lead into a long conversation about the state of the body shop world and the insurance world. Uh, got a rude awakening. Uh, you know, we've been waiting about a month on just a basic fender bender repair on our Lexus. And you know what, man? I don't really have a problem when an accident happens. I'm in the business. You're in the business. Accidents happen. Your family's okay. I don't get really that bent out of shape about having to visit a body shop. I got two good body shops here I do work with. But I think we need to talk about the state of 
insurance and body shops changing. And that's what I'm going to sell because, you know, for a lot of us that have had insurance a long time, and even some of you that have had it since you're 16 and now you're 25, you know, you've had insurance on your car for nine years. goes by pretty quick. Uh, insurance is great because it keeps you legal in your state, but insurance can turn into a nightmare when, when you get into an accident, right? But for a lot of my life, I think probably the same as yours, insurance was kind of on your side, you know, Hey, you know, adjuster would come out at, at when I first got insurance, you know, you'd have an insurance agent, insurance agent would be really involved and Hey, we'll help you we out. Joked, Everybody, we joked yeah. about that. Haven't we? Like where has the insurance agent gone? What does he actually even do? Like, well, no, cause they, right. they always just give you an 800 number now. No. Hey, you, I don't handle that part. You got to. So what do you handle Doug? the insurance agent, they don't handle anything. So anyway, we're, uh, I think it's going to lead to a good conversation today because, you know, I learned a real hard lesson, you know, first of all, about halfway through this repair, I had to, you know, tell the, the body shop, like, Hey man, do whatever it is to get it back to OEM spec and I'll pick up the difference, you know, stop fighting with the insurance. Uh, and I picked it up on Friday, finally, after about a month of, of, you know, unnecessary behavior by the insurance company. And Marty, I had to walk in there with a $3,000 check out of my pocket. I got full coverage. I don't have a bunch of accidents in my life. I don't, I don't have a bunch of issues. Uh, but I think it speaks to the state of the body shop world, the insurance world, and I think it's going to lead to a, a topic that I think, look, we have a lot of enthusiasts. We all have a lot of detailers. We have a lot of people that listen to us. And I think for the first time in my life, now I've had some signs over the last year. We had a Range Rover, a 2023 that sat in the body shop for like two months uh, here recently. We've had some other issues arise trying to fix some cars with clients at, at reputable body shops. And it seems it you're not insulated from it. You know, you think somebody's got a Range Rover, they got full coverage with a reputable insurance company. It's not going to be a problem. It's a huge problem now. And I think, what if you didn't have the $3,000 to do it properly? And I found that out because in the same body shop that I was in, Marty, there was a Jeep whose car literally came apart after the insurance company sent it to their approved body shop that body shop did the repairs on that vehicle to the spec that the insurance company asked the body shop to do. Had that car been on the freeway and failed the way that it eventually failed, that person probably wouldn't be here today. That's how catastrophic that car was repaired. And so I think it gets into an interesting question of what the hell is actually going on here? Because we've heard the horror stories, right, Marty? So let's start here. You've heard the horror stories your whole life. Oh, this body shop, they just chop up cars down the street, whatever. That was the minority for a very long time. And it certainly wasn't at the behest of the insurance company. But now what seems to have changed is the insurance company getting in cahoots with the body shop world and saying, we're going to do everything subpar. Now, so everybody understands about our Lexus. It's a $75,000 vehicle. It has less than 18,000 miles on the odometer. And just ask, asking them 
on a one to two year old car to replace it to OEM specifications was a 30 day argument on a fender bender. And that's where the story kind of starts. Yeah, that's where I was going to get into once I heard you say that a second ago, like just trying to get it to OEM. So what was the deal? Why did they not want to use OEM when it only has 18,000? You know, okay, if it's 118,000, would we kind of start going, listen, I get it. You know, it's it's an older vehicle. Yeah. Uh, but a one to two year old vehicle that has under 20K on it, geez, uh, I think it should, is that not a law? I mean, I would have, all, well, I, I just always thought it was so, a law or so something. So we, we, we actually had a, a pretty rare situation. Now I'm, I'm being led to understand by my two body shop friends and, and mind you, we don't have 10 reputable body shops in a city full of 3 million people in the greater Las Vegas area. We got less than a handful, which again, you go back to the small town I grew up in. I had more reputable body shops in 2000 in a tiny town than I have now in a town of 3 million. And it's Why probably the same is? in Tulsa. Well, we have a lot of body shop guys that listen to us and I, I hate to break it to them. The body shop, the body shop world has done a really poor job of standing up to the insurance companies. They've gotten in cahoots with the insurance companies. So if you just think of this theory, if I had a hundred body shops in Las Vegas and all of them said, we're only going to repair cars to OEM, the insurance companies would have no choice but to do things the right way. But if they start out and they get 10 body shops to buy into this and then 20 body shops and then 30 body shops and then 50 body shops, all of a sudden you went from a hundred reputable body shops to 50 reputable body shops. And so I know body shops love to blame insurance. And I certainly understand their pain after talking to my two body shop buddies for this episode. But the reality is too many body shops got in cahoots with the insurance companies, then making it very difficult for anybody to do things reputable. So it just chiseled away at the reputation of body shops because enough body shop owners are like, well, I'll just do what they ask. They'll pay. I'll make it work for me. I'll do this. I'll do that. And so now it's like that chicken or egg thing, right? Did the insurance company actually do it wrong or do you blame the body shop? Well, I think we all know insurance companies push the envelope on this, but if body shops didn't cave, it wouldn't have existed either. So you can't just keep pointing in the body shop world. And again, the two guys I know I have great long lasting relationships with, they tend to agree with me. They go, you know, everybody blames insurance and these guys are longstanding 20 plus year businesses but they go, look, man, I mean, this buddy over here of mine, he did reputable work seven years ago. He's not doing reputable work now. So he didn't start out doing chop shop, you know, low budget insurance stuff. He started out doing it the right way. Well, is the insurance at fault for that? Or did that guy compromise himself? And then now he just at a dinner party would look at you and go, well, you know, insurance companies, it's like, no, these two guys have one of these guys is a is a an approved repair guy for Bugatti. That's who he does work for. Okay, so he didn't have to compromise anything, and his business kept going up and up and up. And so it's just one of these things where people have to have the real open conversation that you can't put everything at the feet of the insurance companies. The body shop world has to take some blame, obviously not the majority of it, but I just think we're in a place now where it's hard 
if you want to run a reputable business, man, you're going to have to have a backbone. And I don't know that most business owners in a body shop world have that. So let's, let's talk through what it would be to have a backbone, right? Like help me understand a little bit of what you're, what you're talking about. When you say stand up to the insurance company, what did, what they have to stand up on your behalf for? This guy had the adjuster in his office for four hours on two minor repairs for two different customers from the same insurance company. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of argument. That's a lot of all these different things. And to tell you how underhanded insurance is being now. So what used to happen is you'd get this first estimate, right? And whatever was on these estimates that they approved, they would never go back on what they've already approved. They went back on two different things that they previously had approved for my repair, which again, isn't necessarily against the law but now is going to get reported to the insurance commission on our behalf through our attorney and through the body shop. Insurance companies used to fear that in a big way. Now, this guy sat in the office and did something over $200. That's all he was going to save by by going back on the original quote on this one particular piece of OEM versus aftermarket. He risked going in front of the insurance commission over 200 bucks. So why That's, will he go in front? I mean, what, what is the insurance commission? What are they set up to do? Why will they, why will he have to go answer for that? Well, I'm not sure he will individually, but the insurance company is going to have to answer. Why did you back out on something you had previously approved? So they're going to have to show a good reason as to why, Hey, wait a minute, you guys approve. And by the way, there's a paper trail. The paper trails with us, the body shop, the insurance company and our attorney. So they were willing to go back on, I mean, essentially is their word. They were willing, they were willing to break a contract that again, five short years ago, they would have never done according to my body shop buddy. He's like, they would have never done this over 200 bucks. He goes, now, if it was $13,000, have they done it in the past? He's like, yeah, a little bit here and there, but over 200 bucks on a one single piece that guy sat there and had to argue. And then for us on multiple occasions, this just went onto my bill because he knew I wasn't going to want the aftermarket grill. So he's like, I just bought the grill because you already told me you wanted everything OEM. So he goes, you have to absorb that cost, this other cost, whatever. I, I think we're seeing a fundamental change. And I actually believe what I'm about to say. I don't think people realize that insurance companies are teetering on the brink of disaster in multiple states. State farms had to pull out of California, okay? They've, there's, I guess, some big stuff going on down in Florida. So what you're seeing is if, if places have big population growth, insurance companies get aggressive, they wanna sign all these new policies, but they sign all these new policies thinking what? You're not gonna have a bunch of new claims? Like, what do you think is going to happen? If I sign a million new policies, I'm just going to get more claims than I had before. And it's leaving them in a disaster position where they have to basically renege on their promise to you and I as the insured people and, and just start hacking up your car if you happen to get in a fender bender. So the body shops, both of them independently who don't know one another, told me basically, unless you have a totaled car, which is real easy, right? They go to the Kelly Blue Book and it's it's whatever. Everything short of that, it's a complete disaster now, which both of them told me this has accelerated in the past five years that 
they they haven't. And by the way, they're saying this is across the board with all insurance companies they're dealing with, aside from one or two that they trust that say, hey, those guys are still doing pretty well, you know, in our area. And by the way, that'll be different in the person listening to this is area. I could have somebody that's doing really well in Vegas. You buy that same insurance in Tulsa. And your body shop's going to be like, hey, man, they got a huge problem in Tulsa. They got all these claims. Now they're, you know, cutting us off at the knees. So it's even to that level where you could have a great insurance guy. Geico could do really well in Tulsa and be no problem. If they're struggling in Vegas, they're going to hammer down and try to get out of paying anything to anybody. That is how this is now working itself out. Are they having problems in the moment in that city? If they are, you're in real trouble getting your car repaired. So they're going to fight 200 bucks because why? You think it's because they don't have the money? Is that is that sort of basically in a sense of of what we're saying? The insurance companies are in trouble, meaning, hey, they're a little upside down now with the economy? Or or, or what? what is it? Why are they? Okay. So here, here's what it, way it was explained to me. And I, I think it makes total sense. And by the way, this was explained to me twice by two independent people that don't talk to one another. And the two places that I send all my customers' cars, from Ferraris to Range Rovers to whatever, this is where we go, these two individual places. They said, here's what happened in the, in the case of Las Vegas, that everybody, all the insurance companies saw the growth of the city. They dumped all this money into the city to try to sign up new policies, whether that was putting more agents here, more marketing, all of the above. Super Bowl okay. commercials, you know. Super Bowl commercial, yeah. I mean, <laughs> State Farm getting downgraded on credit, and then you see how many stars they have during the Super Bowl on their commercials. Like, if I was a State Farm customer, I'd be pretty pissed, to be, <laughs> to be honest. But so to get back to it, Vegas is seeing this growth, or let's just say the insurance company as a whole is unhappy with their representation in Tulsa. They're like, hey, you know, Tulsa's a growing city. We should be doing better there. We're going to dump $20 million into Tulsa to build Tulsa up. So they, they dumped that $20 million in, in marketing and other efforts. They sign all these new policies. If for some reason the bean counters had it wrong by how many policies were going to then have incidents, they go into panic mode and they start with your house, you know, your house gets a flood. Oh, we're not going to replace this painting. We're not going to do this. We're not because they wanted your policy, but the bean counter who said, let's go after Tulsa more aggressively, didn't think that you were ever going to have an incident where you were going to need to file an insurance claim or the percentage is too high for them, which is what happens a lot in the sunny states, right? You have a lot of people that go to a sunny state, Arizona, uh, you know, Las Vegas, Southern California, Florida, they get this influx of people. They undervalue how much they're going to have to pay out in insurance claims. So they've dumped the 20 million in, they start getting all these new insurance claims, they start to panic. So if you're an insurance company and you're run by a bunch of bean counters, what's going to happen? They're going to go, well, hey, wait a minute, we're just going to have to cut what we pay back on these insurance claims. It's, it's really that simple to these two body shop owners. They both told me identical stories about the insurance companies they're having trouble with, and they told me the exact thing that I just said here, is that hmm. those companies got aggressive here and then just assumed there were not going to be very many claims. They got elevated amount of claims, which is logical to guys like me and you, 
if I sign a million new policies, I'm going to get some more claims. But they start to panic, and then they start to put pressure on a contractor for your house or the body shop in the car world. So why does a body shop owner cave? It's it purely out of necessity to to have customers or have relationships with the insurance companies. Uh, Aren't there some some body shops that are like, hey, listen, I only deal with these insurance companies, and they're pretty selective on who they deal with. But then I guess there are some, you know, body shops that, listen, they'll take any and do whatever, and it's just a it's it's just part of it, right? Is where we yep. go kind of is what it is. They might be like, hey, listen, this is the game. The insurance company does this. We tell you, you know, bada bing, bada boom. It is what it yep. is. You shouldn't have got in a wreck. Yeah. So my insurance company immediately got upset when I told them the body shop we were going to. Immediately. It, the tone of the whole thing changed. I thought you were supposed to didn't I thought uh, we were supposed to be able to choose, right? Well, you're you're supposed to be able to choose, right? You're supposed to be able to choose, but this is where we go at your question. Why do body shop owners cave? Well, the vast majority of them cave because they want to be one of the preferred vendors to as many insurance companies as they can. And if they play that game, then they're going to keep getting business and they don't have to market to Marty and Nick. They just market and do good work for Allstate or Geico or State Farm to, to, to keep that relationship healthy. So what used to happen, and, and, and I look, I know there's a lot of body shop people listening to this that are going to lose their mind because they're going to say that we don't understand. I spent a lot of time with these two individuals over the last week. And they told me flat out, most body shop owners are concerned with their relationship with the insurance company. They're not concerned with fixing your car to your liking. So that tells you, and I think you'll remember this. I never remember a time when I see less commercials for body shops than I do right now. When I was growing up, body shops were mm-hmm. everywhere. Television. Like vinyl windows. Yeah, there you go. They were everywhere. They were having to get you to buy into come to this great place. You look at it now and people can think for themselves, when do you see all of this now? I'm not seeing any of it. And now it makes sense because they're not worried about the Marty and Nick relationship. They're worried about the relationship with Allstate, with Geico, with State Farm, with all of these different things. And we get into this really weird world that everybody has to understand, and this is why we're talking about it. This is now flipped to, you better be able to pay to have your car fixed out of your pocket and then go after your insurance company or then go after the the, the other driver and their engine because your car needs fixed. This is our family vehicle. I needed the car. If I wasn't in a financial position to pay what I needed to pay and and let my attorney handle it on the back end, Marty, my car still wouldn't be done. I'd still be in an argument with my insurance company. Why? Because I would have continued to have to argue to do it right. Now, so it would have been up the, to you. Either you're 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 the guy in front of me in the minivan that let the Dodge truck in, right? Like if you don't stand up, you're the guy that lets the bully in in the line. Yeah, but I mean, you because gotta, you're so yep. adamant about it, like listen, we're not going to get. We're getting what we want. 
So if you wouldn't have, yeah, you would have just kept, unless you would have rolled over, right? And you would right. have, do you ever, where do you take, and I guess, is it a line item? Do they do they tell you when you're going to get an OEM and when you're not going to get an OEM? So on our breakdown, it says very clearly where they're arguing that you don't need an OEM part. You know, this where is, is above and it's on our estimate. So when it comes to our estimate, oh, they make. Uh, let me ask yeah. a better question. Where on the vehicle did they not want to put OEM? Dude, it was our front grill. Our front grill, which by For the way, let's, like, no, no, do they think no, no, no. Here's they're just saying, well, there's another part. There's another part, and so we allowed them to bring in the other part. And you know, when we got the other part, it was already cracked. I said, bring in the part. We're not going to put it on the car. Just bring in the part because I guarantee there's something wrong with it. And the body shop owner goes, yeah, hell, let's just do it. They bring in the part. It's cracked. Now, Lexus of Las Vegas had had all the parts that I needed to fix my car within two days of us reporting to the body shop. Think about that. Took over 30 days to get the repair. Within two days, we had every part that we needed at Lexus of Las Vegas. Where'd that part come from, you think? Alibaba? What? Oh, you know, the Taiwan? Yeah. Alibaba Express? <laughs> look, I, I got to tell you something. When I saw it and he, him and I laughed, he showed it to me. He goes, dude, look how this thing arrived. He's like, I'm telling you what, this sat somewhere else. It's been damaged. They were trying to offload this part because maybe they fixed it somewhere else and, and knew it was damaged. We get it within no time. He's like, I get this part within like 12 hours somehow. So part just like shows up. Now, it's taken them 30 days to get off their ass just to do the adjustment and, and argue with him finally in person. I'm here to tell you something. They had that part sitting somewhere, right? So it comes. It's just mangled. Team. So he goes, he, yeah, he says to me like right away, he texts me. He's like, hey, I'm just going to have Lexus. I said, dude, we'll, we'll take care of it financially. Whatever you need, just get, get the car. I need the car at this point. But Marty, it was every part. You know, we had some engine, uh, some stuff under the hood that needed fixed. They didn't want to use OEM there, which is bizarre because you're talking about very little money. All of this stuff was little by little chipping away at not doing it to OEM spec. Now, I want you to think about the downstream effect of this. Let's say we let them fix it the way they want. Okay, nothing OEM after this wreck. You do realize I'm going to sell this vehicle and it's going to go into the used car market. And it's going to list that there was tiny minor damage and it's going to give the accident report and people are going to be like, oh, it was just, they just had to replace a couple parts. But you now have half the front end that wasn't OEM because the insurance company didn't want to do it right. So think about that in the aftermarket of vehicle sales. I bought this car thinking nobody would do a minor wreck poorly in repairing such minor damage. Now take that out and say, what if I had major structural damage? What if I had frame damage? What, what if these cars get resold, dude? So insurance companies aren't thinking about the longevity of the car, the next customer, the next two customers, the safety of their family. The sa They're not thinking of any of that. And if the body shop is in cahoots with them, no one's looking after the car. I only am able to do this because I know what I'm talking about. Right? You, you're only, we, we have a guy on our team that you helped during one of his accidents. If you don't have the knowledge, that guy is, is at the mercy of the people he 
suspects are supposed to help him because he pays his insurance bill. Like, this isn't on here complaining. This is saying insurance companies used to be on your side, and now it's transitioned to you versus the body shop in the insurance company. That's a wild turn of events. It is wild. I, and where do we, where do we go? Right, like I, there's it's almost sort of like. <laughs> so last week, uh, <laughs> I get a cold call. Right, somebody comes and cold calls me. You know, it wasn't about another raw chemical, or wasn't about something abrasive or something like that. It was, hey, there's a vote coming up. And as a business owner, there's some stuff on the ballot that I think you should be concerned about. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah? Really? <laughs> hey, I don't vote, so, you know, I'm not sure how it concerns me. Right? Like, But then he pushes back, and he goes, well, if you don't vote, you know, how do you ever get to determine what's what's going on? And I guess for me, I just sort of go, my vote doesn't matter. And then I look into this situation, and I go – you know, what am I supposed to do as a consumer? Does my voice matter? You know, like, what could I say? What could I, could I go out and do? I don't know. Like, does our voice even matter as consumers pushing back against this massive, uh, you know, well, insurance agency and everything going on inside the insurance world? First thing I would tell everybody, and I've learned this lesson in the last 10 years, the minute you're in an accident, you need to call an attorney. You need to call and you need to hire an attorney. Now, don't find the guy on the bus bench, okay? But people in that world, there are great ones, and then there are ones that are on the bus bench, like, you know, chasing ambulances around. You better but you, call Saul. You, you, yeah, you, you need to find an attorney that you and your family trust, and you need to hire them immediately. You need to say, hey, and this happened when we were at the scene of the accident. Uh, my family was at the scene of the accident. I said, okay, great. I picked up the phone. I called our attorney. Uh, I said, hey, we've been in an accident. I need you to represent us. Uh, he immediately sent one of his paralegals down to the scene of the accident, and we were protected in a way. Uh, the insurance company definitely treated us better than most people because they had to communicate with the attorney and not with us. So one of the things you have to do is you have to flip the scales in your favor. The insurance company and the body shop or the mechanic that's going to have to fix your engine, they're not on your side. Even though these guys are my friends, I needed somebody that was representing me, right? And the body good body shop owners know that that's the smart thing to do. And they don't, they don't get mad about it. They're like, hey, I just sent everything to your attorney. I CC'd everybody on every email. It's really not more work for them. They just CC the attorney on everything. So that's number one. And for all of you guys that are doing this professionally, that's what you need to tell your clients to do. You need to hire an attorney immediately. I think aside from that, you are at the mercy of the situation a little bit. Uh, and the more you know, which is why we do a good job of representing our clients as the detailer, as the people that know how cars should look and go back together. We work hand in hand with body shops, the two that I mentioned and so when my customers get into an accident, I say, hey, here's one of two numbers of the guys I trust. Hire whoever you want. Here's where I would take my cars. But now the consumer listening to this, the pro listening to this, 
I would say now more than ever, having a trusted body shop, having a trusted detailer, and having a trusted mechanic is no longer an option. If you don't have those things, you're getting used and abused in the marketplace because you don't have anybody on your side. Your insurance company, I don't care if you've known your agent 20 years, Marty, and you have some of these relationships, as do I. They're not your friend. They'll play your friend to keep that money coming in. And I don't begrudge them. Like, I'm not mad at our insurance agent. I will say this. He was told towards the end of this, we won't be with this insurance company after this. So if you want to be a part, you better get with such and such insurance agent, you know, whatever, and broker the deal. Or if they're, if they're just a State Farm agent, when you leave State Farm, they can't help you. But there are insurance agents that represent 10 different lines of, of insurance or whatever. But look, this whole deal is going to lose them our house as insurance. It's going to lose our business insurance. And it's going to lose our personal vehicle insurance. All over not wanting to fix a fender bender the proper way. 200 bucks. Yeah, I mean, 200 bucks here, 100 bucks there. It wasn't like... Uh, it wasn't a $50,000 repair. You know, now we're going to go after them for loss of value. All these things that were never in my brain, I just wanted the car fixed. But now there's going to be a lawsuit against my insurance company through my attorney. The loss of value we have for being in a minor accident of the car. This thing. All these things that I would have never given a rip about. Now I'm like, my attorney asked me, he's like, we can just take this to the full go. I said, we're going full go now. So the check I just cut, they're going to pay interest on that money every month that they made me pay that money. Now here's where we talk to a lot of small business owners on here. It may take me two years to get my money. So you got to have the personal responsibility and awareness to realize can you go cut a $5,000 check and not affect your family? A lot of people can't. And that's why just thinking barely getting by, I'm my own boss, that all sounds good until the shit hits the fan and you need some money. And you need to be able to push the bully around and hire an attorney. And you need to be able to push the bully around and just fund the repairs the way that you want them. And by the way, I didn't ask for the PPF to be replaced. I didn't ask for the coding to be replaced. I didn't do anything on that level that we know a lot of guys, and I, I talked to one today, uh, Sean, who fought with insurance since October of last year to get one of his clients to have the ceramic coating put back on the damaged panels. Like I wasn't asking for any of that because I didn't need it. We can just slap some PPF on here. We, you know, it's, it's, but think about the customer that doesn't have what we have and how they're getting pushed around. That's when it does become a little bit more personal, doesn't it? Is if we have a customer that we have taken care of on a regular basis and they become part of, in a sense, our family, right? We, we're used to seeing them, whether that's weekly, monthly, yearly, whichever it is. And then now they have a problem with their car and their insurance company and they need us to put the coating back on. Hmm. Well, how are we getting paid? <laughs> right? Yeah. Or well, now we, we got to fight with the insurance. Heart, now, you know? It, it, it's like... I don't really complain about these things. I mean, as you know, it's like, I, I hate that this happened, but what I hate is we're seeing 
something in our lifetime, especially in, in your lifetime and my lifetime, this was never like this. It wasn't. I mean, your insurance agent usually was like a part of your family. You know, they'd come to your Christmas party or you'd go to theirs. Uh, usually you'd go out to dinner a couple times a year. Now, if you call your insurance agent, it's like, yeah, man, I don't handle that. Call this 800 number. It's like, well, can't you call the 800 number? No, you got to call them. Well, they won't let me talk about your case. Well, your case is to this point. Your case, and I'm like, dude, what are you here to do? I'm not even trying to be mad. I'm just saying, just tell me what you do. You know, we have business insurance at, at, at HyperClean on, on the building and on the product and on all. Of, what do those people do? And I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm saying the world has changed. And so once I realized, hey, man, this is going to be a headache, I had to be able to get on the phone with my attorney and a representative from the insurance company and basically be able to tell them to F off. I'm going to get the car fixed. Then we're going to sue you. And if I can't do that, I'm still at the mercy of them. My car is still in the body shop today arguing over putting the right parts on my 17,000-mile car that's worth $75,000, I am still in an argument today. And by the way, I got a rental car. I got that expense. I got this expense. I got, and it's just like, you don't realize until it happens how much of this falls on you. And I think that's the purpose of today's episode is guys, the insurance, especially around your car has flipped from this really positive thing that your insurance agent, your insurance company is going to step up. Body shops are going to do the, that's gone. This is now personal responsibility. Probably what a lot of people found out about their doctor during COVID, right? You break your arm, go to the doctor. You need any other kind of help, you're on your own because they're just going to do what the, the, the big insurance companies and, and the, the medical, uh, you know, the, the pharmaceuticals tell them to do. Well, that's not protecting me and you, Right. I mean, it's not protecting our family. It's not protecting your family. It's not protecting anybody's family. And now we have this incident with insurance where, especially if you're in a high growth area, man, insurance companies are as ruthless as they've ever been. And we have a separate thing here where all of these different things are happening and it kind of is what it is. And you just got to take care of it yourself. All right. So personal responsibility. I get that. I get that. And, and rightfully so. So, but let's let's take it in more into our orbit, a little bit more specific, because, you know, granted, and this is what gives us that extra layer on top for us is, you know, we get to talk about this stuff for people where most people don't actually even have that, uh, you know, I guess, mental thought process to discuss it with uh, people inside the detailing world, right? Like inside of the industry, inside of car care, inside of this whole realm of podcasting about detailing. Okay. Cool, but let's let the hen come to roost or whatever saying we want to put into that aspect, right? Whether, you know, we could yeah. be down in the gator swamp lands or we'd be yeah. up in, you know, up in New York and have, everybody's got some like come to Jesus, right? Like let's come and really talk about then why would it impact us as detailers? Well, look, everybody owns a car or if not multiple cars, so it affects all of us. I think the other part is, you know, look, We've had pretty good luck for a lot of years of saying, hey, this car was PPF. This car was ceramic coated. Yeah, good point. You know, here's the invoice. You know, the, this customer needs to have this replaced. And 
look, man, I think you can fight that to the end and probably win. But you know this as well as anybody. You start to work with really upper class, you know, richer people. They're not going to be want to be without their car for 90 extra days trying to get some PPF or some ceramic coating, you know, reimbursement. But what if you went out on a limb and said, hey, the insurance will take care of it? What if that was part of your sales pitch early on when you did these installs that, hey, if you ever take damage, insurance reimburses? I know a lot of people talk that way. I would not talk. I've never talked that way, but I certainly wouldn't do it now because what are you going to do if they say no? You're the one that put that in your client's head. And a lot of times you're getting put in the middle because the client's saying, hey, I need you to talk to my insurance company and tell them the services you provided because I need them to have this reapplied. Now, again, it could all go smoothly where you live. But more than likely, if you're in a high growth area, especially, or you're just in an area where that insurance company's struggling, they're going to fight you tooth and nail. And we have multiple stories of that. Where guys are like, yeah, man, my customer was out of his car another, you know, 65 days because we were arguing back and forth about them replacing the ceramic coating. And it's like, are you going to be out of a car another 60 days if it's you over ceramic coating? I'm not going to do that. Well, and here's the other aspect that I, I really kind of throw to think about. I put myself into the situation of the body shop owner and I go, okay, I'm a, I'm a detail shop owner. Hmm. How, how do I take this, uh, I guess, idea or what's happening to body shops and go, how do I make sure I'm not that guy in, in the detail world? How do I make sure I don't get duped into, you know, doing things less quality for my customers when just because, you know, some, somebody wants me to. Here's, here's the one, right? Less quality of a product that I'm going to put out on a car because I get duped into believing that, hey, it's on the Carfax. You'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, look, I think we all have seen the, for those of us that have been around long enough, we've seen the rise and fall of ceramic coating, right? I mean, we all know it's it's very rare when somebody can actually take care of their car on a level that they get a great five-year experience out of a coating. Well, think about all the companies that are saying, here's a seven year, here's an eight year, here's a 10 year, here's a lifetime. Get, <laughs> guess what? Add five plus three, get to this and you know, whatever. Yeah. Add 10 plus three and that, that equals 52 years, right? <laughs> like here, here's the, the thing, man. Just like when we use the example of a hundred great body shops where you started and how you lose 10 at a time or five at a time because they just start to do things that aren't the way that everyone knows they should be done. It's the same thing when somebody says, I have a 10 year coding that I know doesn't work, but I only sell it as five. Which it's we've like, heard, right? Oh, there, there's no denying the that, that you and I hear that on conversations when people want to, time. to talk about Sparta, they want to be in a program and you'll talk through them and they'll go, yeah, you know, I, I've been applying X, Y, and Z. Uh, listen, I had it this past week, which I think is going to be fun to talk about. We've got an episode coming out uh, very soon with Mildred, and we're going to discuss some of these very key specific moments about when somebody takes a stand, right? Like this guy that came in was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I go with these because it's cheaper and, and we get down to $15 cheaper, but he's having issues and people are having, his customers are having issues. Yeah, his exactly. quality, like 
everything is around his world has now started to have an issue, but over $15, he wants to go with something of cheaper. It's the exact yep. same thing. Like, that's why I say, okay, if I'm in this body shop owner guy, like let's put ourselves in that situation. I've, I've heard of stuff at dealerships when we were heavy into dealerships of, Hey, you know, we're going to use these clips now and we're going to use this stuff. Now we're going to start to, to chop away at expenses when yep. we go to put to even, even inside of a dealership where they yep. should 100% be using OEM parts, even at the dealership level. And don't kid yourself, this isn't as I joke around about the Dodge store and the, the Dodge guy. No, Mercedes, Mercedes store, Porsche store. I mean, this was a massive group here in Tulsa which we've talked about publicly and they wanted to cheapen their customer that just paid 200, 100, 90, 80, whatever. You throw that dollar number out there, thousands of dollars, but because this bean counter inside of their, their place wanted to switch out things for non OEM parts because it saved them money. It's the exact same thing as this guy. It's the exact same thing as each one of us that has to look at a customer and go, yeah, I know that I'm listening to, or I know I, I know I could get this for you. And it is premier. It is quality. It is of the best quality, but you know what? I'm going to cheapen you out to save $15. And it's okay. If you have an issue later, it's okay. If you have to, I, I saved 15 bucks and made right. Eight, this is the exact same circumstance, just under a different label, in yeah, my opinion. Well, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and it's so easy for all of us to point at the body shop. Oh, they screwed my customer. But what if you're that guy that bought a ten-year coating that you know doesn't work, but you sell it as five, and you're like, oh, we'll call it good. You're already saying you're buying a product that the company lied to you about. Now you're passing on that lie and you're just making up a random amount of years that you think it's going to last. In, in the microcosm of your world, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But if 100 guys in your area do that, like we're talking about with the body shop, now you have an area that is selling coatings that don't work. The customers are getting pissed off. Now you're going, oh man, my area is so tough, but you didn't look at that the hundred people doing it a certain way is what made your area really tough because enough customers got burned. They told friends and family, all oh, that ceramic stuff doesn't work. No, it does work if everybody's doing the reputable thing. I, I've said it on this podcast. You, you shared a, a YouTube video with me recently where a guy basically said, I use cheaper stuff because this is how I feed my family. Mm. What a stupid reason to use cheaper stuff. If you truly want to feed your family and you're saying to yourself, I did this because I, I have to feed my family, then wouldn't the reason to do the right thing is because you want to keep feeding your family. But instead, internally, this guy thought to himself on a thousand dollar package, if I can save 10 bucks on the coating, man, that's what I'm going to do. This is how I feed my family. Now, mind you, can't buy a Happy Meal, can't buy a Big Mac meal, can't buy anything for 10 bucks. So you're risking your reputation, as all these body shops are, because you're, you're, you're telling yourself the wrong thing. If you look at the two shops I visited, guess who's real freaking busy with high-end cars? Those two shops. And let me tell you who makes a lot of money. Those two shops. Now, look, man, I'm not saying their life is easy. Because these guys have a lot on their plate. 
but they can go home at night. They know they're doing right by their customers to the best of their ability. Sure, they make mistakes. Sure, they make a bad decision here and there. I'm sure that happens to us all. But these guys are working on Range Rover and above. They're not working on the other side of the market. And here these guys are doing Honda Civics and, you know, Jeep Gladiators, the one that I saw that was all banged up that, that he had to step in and fix because it was a safety issue. And you think about all of these things and you start to realize this happens in every aspect of life. And, you know, we're in the car care world. Everything negative that's happening around ceramic coatings now has been brought on by us, not the customer. So, so everybody that wants to go next level, right? I'm going to take my business to the next level. Is that necessarily quarter by quarter financials? I, I want to, I want to really, I dive into this for a split second, right? Because next level, does that mean I've got to make more money off of customers? Or I know that I'm going to be next level over the next years and years and years because yeah. I'm continuing to do the right thing for my customer who is trusting in me and paying me to do the right thing. Now, yeah. some of us will go, yeah, well, these customers, they, they, oh, they just want cheap. Or they just, hmm, goes back to what you and I talk about on a regular basis. Okay, those aren't the customers for you. It's okay to let customers go because you want customers who desire quality you want customers that do also depend on you to do the right thing Here, here's the trickle effect right it's whether or not we're buying it from somebody who quote unquote tells us something and it really should seem for most of us logical common sense not to believe some stuff but we buy it anyway and we say to then our customer oh this is the way it, right and this that trickle effect of Hey, they told me this, or I'm going to tell you that, even though I don't really feel it. Hmm. Yep. Or, okay, I'm going to do the right thing, and it might be a slower build. I might be a steady for a moment, but over the long period of time, it's going to develop the longer, right? We call this long tail. Is doing the right thing the longer tail better than doing the short thing for, you know, this moment just to make a buck? Absolutely. Yeah, well, and 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 again, it's it's not about passing judgment. Look, you're going to make some bad decisions, and you're going to have to rectify that, right? You're going to have to be like, man, I just got involved with the wrong company, or I hired the wrong into whatever mistake it is. But when you know something's not working, and you just keep doing it, and you just keep doing it, and you just keep that's when you screw your business up. Yeah. It isn't that you made five bad decisions, and you go, now that I know, I'm just not going to use that coding anymore. We share this all the time, guys, and I know people don't don't think this happens. Guys readily admit they're using stuff that doesn't work. And then they want to tell you, you don't get it. You don't know my area. Well, most likely we have somebody in your area already, and they're killing it, and they're killing it by doing things to the best of their ability with the knowledge that they have. Like if you see a bunch of ceramic coatings, like the story you shared about the guy you talked to last week, you got a bunch of coatings fail, man. You can't go back and keep using that coating. It's just logical. That's not what he told you. He's like, look, man, I, I saved 15 bucks over what you guys charge, which wasn't actually true when you broke the math down. It was something like five or six bucks mm -hmm. uh, when he bought 100 mil at a time. 
And he just had this idea on his head that it wasn't a big deal. But it certainly is going to be a big deal at some point when he looks up and he's working for someone and he no longer has a business and he's going to blame the world of Tulsa. There's no good customers. Yet when I was there, you and I worked on two Porsches or three Porsches, a Range Rover from people that had no problem paying. And I believe we got what, like a hundred or $200 tip. Yeah. From one guy. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah. That you looked at me and I was like, Hey dude, you're a customer. You know, you didn't expect that tip. You looked as shocked as anybody. Right. But here's the thing. You want to do business with these upper echelon people, man. They're not looking for a deal, but they sure are going to find out sometime down the road, may not be that first car, may not be the third car, that you're getting a deal somewhere in your life and you're not passing it on to them. You're still charging them elite money. And now they're not getting the service that they paid for. And all of a sudden you're out on your butt. You don't have that client anymore. That's the trickle effect. That's why I always say you shouldn't have a problem putting a reputable coating on a car. Now that doesn't mean there's a hundred reputable companies because there isn't. But anybody that's been listening to our podcast and you're struggling with your ceramic coating, I just don't think that's on everybody else at that point. And and isn't it, you know, there's people that are always like they, the good old days of coatings. I used to get, I just fill in the blank, right? 2,000, yep. 4,000, oh, yeah. whatever. The one, that, the video that you're talking about, this guy was complaining, that, you know, hey, I, I've got to get my 800 bucks. And that's, yep. to him, was... and. Listen, 800 bucks is a lot, of course. We'd love to have 800 bucks. That's awesome. Great job on the service. But trading today, 800, because you used to get it two years ago, a year ago at 800, hmm, should you actually be getting 900? Should you actually be getting 1,000 because of inflation? Hmm, but maybe you're using something cheaper and you're, okay, well, I can't charge somebody more, right? So let me just find something that I'm going to make more money off of. And that ultimately is what happened to the body shop owner, right? Like he's going to get bullied into it because he still wants to make the same amount. And okay, you know, things have changed. So I'm just going to, okay, no, actually, no. There is a select group. There is that, we say elite, there is those right and wrong people it shouldn't be right it shouldn't be it should just be a blanket everybody but it seems to be in life more and more fewer and fewer people do the right thing by their customers as much as they possibly can yeah i think it's a great point and i think like you said if this guy's having a conversation i got to get my 800 the real conversation would be why aren't you already up to 1200 on that service And largely, a lot of people that struggle to raise prices, they're struggling internally because they don't know if they're providing that level of service. So to that guy, he thinks 800 is the top I can get for this service. Well, I got news for you. If I came to his city, you came to his city, a bunch of other detailers that are great at what they do listening to us, I wouldn't have a problem getting 1200 for that same $800 service. But I would build value. I would show people, hey, this is what you're doing. Let me show you what what this looks like. Let me tell you why we choose what we choose. Let me show you how we do things. Let me give you a good customer experience. All those kind of things. And people that struggle to raise prices, you can oftentimes look downstream and they're making a questionable decision on what they're using on someone's car. They're using... a cheap polish, a cheap compound. They're you, you know, they're they're using that parts store, you know, wheel cleaner. So they feel weird because it's like, oh man, I found this for four dollars a gallon and I can cut it eight thousand to one. And 
Well, guess what, man? That gets in your psyche. And now when you need to go raise prices, you feel bad about it because you know on the back end, all you've done is cut costs and cut expenses and cut all this. And you're using some coding you don't believe in. And now all of a sudden you need to raise prices and you can't do it. You talk to people that are running a valuable business and they go, yeah, I raise prices when I get, when the prices get raised on me, man, I raise the prices on my customers. But there's always those other people, the 90% that go, I can't raise the price. Nobody will buy from me. It's like, well, this guy down here raised his prices five times in the last two years. Why can't you raise prices? Oh, because the guy doing it on that elite level is like, hey, man, I got to pass the cost on to you, man. You know, it's cost me more to pay my people. It's cost me more on insurance. It's cost me more on my rent. It's cost me more for my products. It is what it is, right? So a lot of that stuff comes from us what we're doing inside of our business. And, and again, man, you know, so many people are quick, quick to blame the insurance company. And I get it, man. They're at a huge fault here. But don't forget, enough body shop owners sold their soul to those insurance companies and sold you and I down the river as the customer. So don't just give me the insurance excuse. I'm with you. I, you know, raise our two fists. I'm with you, dog. But here's the problem. If everybody was doing it the right way, they couldn't go anywhere else in your city. They could only go and have it done the right way. So there's enough people. And by the way, enough people that started out in a reputable way that then flipped and said, ah, I'll just do it the way insurance tells me. Who cares? Who cares if your family's endangered? Who cares if you as a driver's endangered? That is to the level that I saw multiple cars at two different body shops in the last week that had been repaired at quote unquote reputable shops that these guys both said, this guy used to do different level of work, but he went the insurance route and he won't stand up for his customers. Two separate body shops did not just blame the insurance companies. They didn't have that opinion. They go, insurance companies are terrible and they're getting worse. But if these guys did this work, that's on them. And oh, by the way, those body shop owners are getting sued by those customers now along with the insurance company, along with this. You're not out of the woods, man. None of us are. So if your name's on the work, you got to live by it. That's, that's why I always was real careful about the companies I did business with. Because at the end of the day, they were going to come yell and scream at me. <laughs> I didn't want to be yelled and screamed at. Yeah, there's there's times you take risk in business, right? You take risk, I take risk. At Hyperclean, we take risk. You say something sometimes, and it's always fun, right? Like, that's sitting a hill I would die on. You know, taking a risk of using something inferior that I know is failing over 15 bucks is not a hill I'd want to die on. It's not a hill I'd want to even just build off of. Let's start there. Everybody wants to go next level. You got to build to get to the next level. There's it's no tough. like cheat code that's suddenly you level up. Nah, it doesn't work like that. Only in video games. It doesn't yeah, work like that in true. real life. You, you, and this is that W word, right? Work, but not work as in scrubbing wheels. You work as in understanding what's legit, what's not legit, what's too good to be true, what's real, and doing right by your customers. Huh. Such a big, interesting topic around insurance and, and, you know, your stuff at the body shop. And then it can start to start to take effect to us when we really start to think about our actions, right or wrong. What do we do? How does it affect others? 
What am I really building? Hmm. Great discussion, Nick. I love it. Great talk. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week.